Virtually Speaking with Jay Ackroyd, live in-depth conversations featuring writers, scientists, educators, economists, publishers, pundits, and public servants. Join the studio audience in Second Life or listen live or on demand at Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. A special thank you to Pulse Avatar Arts for their invaluable contributions to our Second Life avatars and to Mark McKay for the virtually speaking program graphics on stage, the billboards, and kiosks in Second Life. Tonight, Jay is talking with Matt Stoller about Occupy Wall Street. An American political activist and writer, Matt focuses on foreclosure fraud, the financial crisis, and the Federal Reserve. He writes at Naked Capitalism, Politico, and MattStoller.com. And I think we have Matt on the line. Yeah, of course we do. Hey, Matt. Welcome. Thank you. you. Thank you. How are you doing? I hear a little background noise. Are you okay where you are? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Can you hear? Yeah, yeah, you sound fine right now. When I first brought you in, it sounded a little bad. Folks, welcome. This, please welcome Matt Stoller. He, of course, has been leading the charge on understanding what's been going on at Occupy Wall Street. And in particular, I had a post today that was really especially powerful and especially good. I'm going to post that into the Second Life chat. And it's, it's at um, Naked Capitalism, and it's the October 6th post. Uh, Matt, one of the metaphors you've been using as you've talked about this has consistently been that of a church. Can you describe right. why you think that fits? You led, you led the post off of that, and I, and I think you're actually exactly right. In fact, I think this post is the best post I've read on the question of Occupy Wall Street, and everybody's been writing about it, so that's quite a thing. Can you describe what this church metaphor means to you? Sure. Um, so people are animated in their politics by meaning. Uh, before you get to resource fights and, um, and sort of all of the things that one would consider in terms of how people think about politically engaging in their culture, the very first thing that people think about is meaning. And, you know, churches or synagogues or mosques or, you know, the religious institution of the community are the, the community forum where people get together and decide how they're going to articulate that meaning. And what you've seen is in response to the financial crisis, uh, people wondering what happened to the society that they were a part of. And finally, deciding that that society is in fact gone. And now what they're doing is they're looking for a way to define meaning in a new kind of politics that they're sort of grasping towards trying to construct. Okay, and, and they're coming together and forming a community. As you say, this community that's formed there, um, it's not just – it's more like a medieval church, I guess, is the metaphor you use. You say it's a place – it's a center of the community. It's become many things, public square, carnival, place to get news, daycare center, healthcare center, concert venue, library, performance space. Now, that's different from, you know, our usual – you know, it's located right near Trinity Wall Street, which is – you know, one of the more famous churches in the country. And Trinity Wall Street is nothing like the space, you know, a few blocks north of it. So right. what makes it different? Well, I mean, it's it, one of the commenters on that post actually had a great couple of lines where he said what they're looking for is they're not looking for politics to, to increase food stamps. They're simply feeding the hungry. They're simply giving health care. They're simply taking care of people and, and loaning books. They're, they're doing things uh, the way that they want to see society do things. And that's a very different model than the kind of traditional political engagement that we've 
um, that we're used to seeing. As for, you know, Tr- Trinity Church, uh, it's more of a monument at this point um, than a community forum that gives uh, substantial meaning. Well, I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't actually know. I don't think that's true. Not true, actually. I know. I actually know some folks that's, there. And, yeah, that's. What I'm trying to say is maybe they actually, maybe they, they serve the same function, but just for different communities. I, I think is the better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that is a fair characterization. I, I was more thinking about the religious institutions that I attended as a kid that, that didn't, um, that didn't um, actually uh, provide any sort of community forum or meaning to me. So, but I, I wasn't. I, I think that Trinity Church is actually a bad example of that. But anyway, you get the point. Yeah, I do actually. But the um, the idea that it's multiple things. See, the thing that it reminded me of when you used that metaphor it was funny because what I was down there on Tuesday. I, I just I didn't feel like I could talk about it without going there because my feeling as I've read what people said about it is they obviously aren't getting things. You know, they're obviously trying to slot it into some place I don't understand. They're trying to slot it into something they understand. And since I hadn't been there, I didn't really know whether I was right about that. But but I think I was, as it turns out. Um, but what I kept thinking about was I kept thinking about Eric Raymond's essay, The Cathedral and the Bazaar. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, that's actually one of the one of the animating impulses behind how I wrote about it. Because let me just go on for a second about what that is. Eric Raymond wrote an essay quite a while ago about the nature of open source software development. And the thing that's, that, that drives that, I mean, people think it's because the code is, they don't understand, a lot of people don't understand what we mean by open source. We don't mean that it's not copyrighted. What we mean is the community that arises in order to develop it works in a way where you acquire um, credibility and authority in the community by dint of your efforts and by your contributions. And that's what animates that, and that's what makes it work, and that's what makes it possible for you know, 15,000 people around the, con- around the world to cooperate and develop a solid, secure software product like Linux. And that, that spirit animates what's going on here. Do you think that's a fair way of describing that, Matt? I do, yeah. And so when you talk about, I think if you could tell the two stories you told in your, um, in your post today, the one about the um, drag queens and the one about, I can't remember what the other one was about now. Nurses? The nurses, the nurses and the drag queens. Those are two great illustrations of how this kind of community credibility works. Sure. Uh, so, so the community has, the way that they make decisions is through something called the General Assembly, which is a consensus-based method of coming to agreement. It's sort of too hard to explain, but... Um, no, you it's sort not. Of have let, 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 I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I, sh- I, I should have realized I would make that happen. Let's talk about General Assembly first, and then we can talk about its, its implementation. Um, the general and one of the cool things about it is they immediately had a problem. They wanted to be able to communicate to the community as a whole, but New York law wouldn't let them use electronic amplifiers or bullhorns or anything like that. So they had to find a way to communicate to the whole group of participants um, without breaking that law. And what? And can you describe General Assembly and then how they get around that problem? Sure. I mean, what happens is they gather into a group, and it's a, it's a park, and one person speaks and, in a half a sentence, and then everybody in earshot repeats him or her, and then everybody in earshot of them repeats the larger group. So the sound eventually gets to everyone in the park. And so a person says a half a sentence, everybody repeats it, uh, everybody who hears those people, the first group re- repeats it, and then they say the second half of the sentence, and, and so on and so forth. And it's a very slow way of communicating. But actually, when you, um, 
but it changes the nature of the communication and it forces everybody to listen to everything. And it forces the speaker to understand that when they're talking, the act of listening is energetic. So they have to respect the space. And it basically puts listening at the heart of the communication. And then there are a variety of hand signals that people can use to signify they like things, they don't like things, they want, they want the person to hurry up or there's been a process violation. But it's a non-hierarchical way of organizing um, a, a, uh, a community. And basically, because people know that anything controversial will be vetoed if it hasn't been worked through, the only things that people can propose are things that they know are going to have some sort of consensus. And usually those things have to do with building um, and adding to the space of the, um, of the park, making things more fun, more interesting, better, healthier, wiser, happier. So in two, two examples of this were when the nurses' union, uh, 1099 local, wanted to endorse. They said, we want to endorse, um, or somebody made an announcement, the nurses want to endorse. And what they want to do is they want to give us some food and some supplies, blankets, things like that. And they also want to send some nurses to train some of our people in first aid. And everybody liked it. Um, and then the, the second group was the, the drag, drag queen. said, I'm a drag queen, and we would like to um, give you some supplies and endorse you, food and whatnot, and we would also like to perform tomorrow. And everybody liked that. And so what they were doing, the nurses weren't saying, we endorse you, let's work together on a legislative agenda. They were saying, we endorse you, we like what you're doing, we're going to show up, we're going to give you food, and we're going to help you deliver health care. And the drag king queens were saying, we're going to make this space more fun. We're going to give you food. We're going to make this a more open and inclusive space. And that was the politics. It wasn't a politics of we have these demands to rein in the banks. It was we want to occupy a public space, and this is the kind of society that we want to see. And we want to see it, and the process is important as a result. Yeah. Now, I'm yeah. not sure that it scales. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not sure I agree with what they're, everything they're doing. But it was a very, very different form of politics. And I think it's important to recognize that the way they think about power is fundamentally different than the way that, Amer that power works in America today. Let's step back. You know, I've, I've been hurt a little bit by having done this so recently. Let's step back just for a second and describe the physical location so folks who haven't seen it. And it's hard to see on television. You can't really tell just how small it is and just how um, – cramped the environment is, even with a relatively small number of people there. So what we're talking about is essentially a concrete park, a new, what we call in New York a community space or an open space, it's a public space, a public access space that's created by a developer as a deal for being able to put up a building. If you've been to the city, folks, it's right across from 140 Broadway. The most distinctive landmark there is an orange cube sitting on its edge, sitting on its, sitting on its, on a point. So it's kind of a diamond cube there. And across from that is this park that's concrete with, um, with granite tables for playing chess or for sitting around. And this is now filled with people in different stations. Matt, can you describe, you know, how it's organized? Yeah, so there's there's an area where people sleep. There there's an area where there's food, there's a hot spot media tent. Uh not really a tent. It's they've got umbrellas because they're not tents, allowed tents to are illegal. Tent. Tents are illegal. Tents are illegal. Um there is uh there's a library. Um there is kind of a front where there's like a information tables. Um 
And then there are places where people are playing music. Um, and let me think. Yeah, I think that's basically it. People go to the and bathrooms and the surrounding restaurants. And there's um, a food area. Yeah. There, there's constant food yeah. preparation going on. Right. And you could just go if you're hungry and eat. I mean, it's not. Um, it's not a. Uh, you know, they're not. There's no sticker. There's no badge. There's no. Right. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it, it's kind of like you're anyone is just allowed to go and get food, get healthcare, get books, whatever. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I walked away with a book actually, the Doug Rushkoff's book about uh, about living differently. Life think it's called. Yeah, and that just happened to be a stack of them lying there, and I wanted to read that book, so I took it. Um, you know, so. So it's 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 completely open, completely free. There's no sense of anybody's welcome all the time. There are tourists there right now. At least there were when I was there on Tuesday. Did you have that same experience? That, sorry, say that again? Tourists, people there wanting to see what it's all about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lots of tourists taking pictures, having fun. Um, the police putting are putting up barricades around there so that kind of to make pedestrian traffic a little more difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a tourist attraction at this point. And it really is people taking pictures, people talking, and also there's an enormous amount of press there. At least when I was there, there was an enormous amount of press there. Um, yeah. For everything from CBC and NBC to a little Polish newspaper, a stringer for a little Polish newspaper. I actually sat with the guy who was, as he said, a spokesman. <laughs> they're very careful never, never to take on any position of hierarchy or authority in anything they say. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is interesting. I mean, one thing to, to make it clear to the to the listeners, like. The the space itself is different from the marches. So the space is where the marches start. People will gather and then they'll go and they'll march across the Brooklyn Bridge or they'll march, um, you know, to Union Square or something like that. And the idea, you know, what, what the arrests are happening on the marches. They're not happening at Zuccotti Square. It's, impo- it's right. important for people to understand that. Like the the actual campsite is very peaceful. The, they have good relationships with the police, with the surrounding community. There are food trucks all over the place. Um, it's a fun, peaceful place. And then the marches, the direct action stuff comes out of that space. People gather there, but the marches are distinct. And the occupation continues. And the idea, of course, occupying is the idea. And food trucks, yeah, when I was there, I was there for the Green Market Day. In, in New York, folks, there are farmer's markets that take place in various parts of the city. Today, for example, there's one in Lincoln Square. And on Tuesdays is the day for one to be in that square. And so the, they were there. The upstate, upstate of New Jersey uh, farmers were there selling their fruit. And, you know, in some sense, it's absolutely normal part of the neighborhood. In other sense, you've got this happening going on at the same time. And, um, it's, and, and the vibe is really interesting. Now, the, you know, you got a little, a little flack from some commenters on your post before this one at Naked Capitalism where you talk, you use the phrase hippy-dippy. Yeah. I, I don't think that was unfair at all. I mean, there are there's, there's some people there who are, you know, there's no other way to describe them, and I don't think they'd be offended to be described that way. Right. I mean, the concept that hippies are a, is a pejorative term, is, I don't, just don't accept that frame. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a culture. Um, and people, the initial people who were there were, were hippy-dippy types. Now it's, it's much more diverse. I mean, I was there last week. I haven't been here there this week. I was there last week and the week before. Before it was cool, man. I like the early stuff. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, before they uh, sold out? <laughs> yeah, before they sold out, right? Um, but uh, I sent a Twitter joke. Um, I, but, you know, it's, it, 
the culture initially was very hippy-dippy, and it was organized by the anti-IMF uh, types. There were a lot of teacher union activists in there. It was very white, um, and now it was very young. Well, not, I mean, it was sort of in the 20s and 30s. Now it's very different. Now it's much more diverse, uh, a lot more African-Americans and Latinos. Uh, you're seeing it's much older, and it's much more mainstream. And by mainstream, I mean, you know, there's still some of that, that kind of culture of, of performance and uh, the guy with dreads, but just a lot more, you know, random grandmothers there and stuff like that. Well, and also people who aren't necessarily occupied, aren't, uh, folks, they're sleep, what they're sleeping on, just, just so you know, they're sleeping on arrow beds or on, or on mats on the ground. Um, they've got tarps they use to keep the weather off that they cover themselves up with. In fact, if you go in there during the day, at least when I was there, you'll see, see a fair number of people sleeping. I imagine there's a fair amount of activity at night and that daytime is the time to get some rest for some of them. But th this is really a permanent encampment, and um, that's the idea is to keep it permanent. I don't know what they're going to do about winter. I don't know I mean, either, Matt. Like that's that's kind of their biggest um, the biggest problem actually right now. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've been thinking. There's one other sort of um, way to describe it that I I didn't put out there, but I think is actually potentially important, and that is that it's what they're really what they're trying to do is they're trying to grab control of the political conversation away from DC and away from the the traditional sort of media sources and pull it to a more public space. They're sort yeah. of setting up an alternative capital, um, which is, I think, which is, I think, important um, because when there is a big political decision to be made, for instance, when the super committee comes out and says, "Hey, we think it's a great idea to cut this and that and this other thing," there will be this alternative capital potentially. I mean, I don't know; they might just throw them out of Zuccotti Park, but there will be this alternative space where people can say, "We think that's a really bad idea, and we're going to make our opposition known with a giant march." or something like that. And right. that's going to put a lot of pressure on the political establishment. Um, imagine, imagine a 50,000, 100,000-person march against cuts to Social Security, convened in a day, right. every day, the next week. I mean, that, that is a kind of political pressure that we haven't seen, at least in our lifetime. I mean, I know we saw some stuff around the Iraq War, but those weren't sustained marches. Those were, those were one-offs, you know, and, and permitted. Yes, and they were, and they fit into a narrative frame that allowed the media to dismiss them. You know, the media right. could just say, "Ah, oh, well, this is one of those demonstrations." I, you know, I was reading labor people bitching that they put on a hundred thousand person march in the same space as a year and a half ago, and nobody paid any attention. These guys have half as many, or a third as many, or even a tenth as many, and they're getting press. Why is that? It's not fair. It's not, and, and the reason is they've already put those labor marches into a frame that has them as something to be ignored. The same but way that the. Labor, I mean, everybody knows that labor is, is doing it for show. I mean, let's be honest about what labor, like, like labor doesn't exercise real power. Um, I mean, you see them every, every three months, you see Rich Trumka or whoever before him saying, we're going to be independent of Barack Obama. We're going to put our money to reelect Barack Obama through independent channels. It's like, uh, that's not, you know, we are, we are not going to support a bill without a public option. We will not allow you to tax our health care plans. And then they go back and say, oh, okay, well, and I guess maybe just this once we'll do that. And it's been <laughs> consistent for 50 years. So I don't understand. I mean, like when labor marches, they're not serious. The kids who, are, who organize this are serious. 
they're dead serious. And it, it was really funny. I sat, as I said, I spent some time at the media area, and I and I watched some interviews with because um, of course you could you could sit right next to the NBC camera guy and listen to the the interplay, and there was no no problem with that, um, which is again part of the idea. Everything is open. Everything is transparent, and they, they each media person asks the same series of questions. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your demands? What's the political goal you have here? What are you trying to do? And and the the guy who was doing the talking just said, well, you know, we're the 99. And the 99 doesn't agree on any particular issue or any particular thing. But at the same time, we all agree that we're being screwed. And that's the only thing we're talking about here. And that just completely flummoxed the media people. Well, I mean, that's right. I mean, and that that gets back to the nature of kind of narrow band medium, narrow band media with sort of TV, newspapers, radio. They have to they have to package any human endeavor into a short story or short, you know, burst of of into a meme of some sort. And um, this doesn't fit a a very narrow way of talking about how humans interact. So well, they you, have you, to like they have to they have to frame it differently. They can't well, you, talk I, about what's going on. You put you talk about something that's similar to that in, in the post today. You say that um in other words, many of these people simply do not seem to be traditional liberals. They seem to see themselves as a transnational leftist class who believe gender, race and economics are bound up in one struggle against oppression. The General Assembly is organized around ensuring quality of voice. And that is their main organizational and power distribution mechanism. That's very hard for the media to fit into the frame, the same way it's very hard as we've seen um, different political groups trying to find a way to capture some piece of this energy. It's very hard to make that fit, isn't it? Yeah, because in order to accept that, you'd have to accept that the existing political establishment, including a lot of the media, um, the people on, you know, who, who control the media, are oppressors. And you can't you can't make that claim. Well, we'll say that like again. You can't. Well, you 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 have to. So in order to 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 kind of recognize that these people believe that the existing system is oppressive, you have to accept that their claim is that the people that are running the system are oppressors. You know, like you have to accept that these people think that that Tim Geithner is um is is greedy and malevolent and and that Ben Bernanke is greedy and malevolent and that the banks are are criminals you have to accept that frame in but order you also and have I, I don't to, mean you don't have to accept it as, as legitimate but you have to like accept it as a possibility just to understand what they're saying and the problem is to, the media can't 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 accept that as an as a possibility so they can't understand what these people are saying well i heard people saying that the media itself is also malevolent and oppressive. Well, that's right. I mean, that's that's the other, you know, that's that's a basic claim by these like the the media um one of the central claims of modern American media is that um is, is that the media itself is disinterested, dispassionate and has a an aura of expertise. And these people do not accept that basic frame. They think that the media is in, is itself a a um uses power to achieve its own objectives. Does it use power or is it a tool by the um, corporate and political institutions? Is it complicit or is it co-equal with them? I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And I think I'm, I'm sort of 
getting into the weeds a little bit. It, but the, the, the sort of overall point is that the, the people in the press either, you know, you can look at it in many different ways, the people that own the media, the, the, you know, the multinationals or the actual journalists themselves or the editors or the advertisers, whatever you want to say, they, all, they, have, um, they have their own agendas and they're pursuing them using the tools at their disposal and those tools are, um, uh, include television stations and newspapers and, and um, these kind of elite methods of discourse. Um, that they are they are a player on the field, and not just a um, and not like a referee. Yeah, you put it that power must flow through narrow media channels. Must be packaged and financed by corporations, unions, or foundations. It must be turned into revenue flows that can then be securitized. And it, you, you use a word that you used earlier this evening. It must scale so leaders can channel it efficiently into the preset creek bed of modern capitalism. And it's that inability to fit it into that creek bed that is frustrating the media people that are talking to these guys, huh? Right. I mean, just who is running this, right? I mean, <laughs> how, do we, how do we talk to them, right? How do we make them famous and then sell their book, you know, and then get them, you know, and make them a pundit? How do we make them run for office? How, like, that's kind of the question that they're asking um, because that scales, that allows right. them to, mar you know, to create a marketing product around this. Because clearly this is cool, right? And clearly this is creating something that people want to be a part of. It's a, it's a you know, Studio 54 type of politics. Everybody wants to be there now. Um, but they just can't figure out how to sell it. Or they can't figure out how to pick an image that they can use. They, can't find, they don't have like Joe the Plumber yet. Or they don't have, for that matter, a Sarah Palin yet. Um, but... And that's the question is I mean, it's funny actually the Republicans right now are starting to like they're getting very upset and starting to say that this is like that they think this is a democratic um like a kind of a democratic controlled uh movement so like for instance like the tea parties were the tea party was always a republican in my opinion it was always just a republican movement like there was just a way of rebranding the republican party and they all i think they all know that so th but they look at this this Who, who's they? this thing the they is the Republicans. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. They all know that the Tea Party is just a bunch of Republicans, and it's what they believe in. Um, and you know, some of them are more aesthetically clean about it than others. And the Tea Party people just were not particularly aesthetic about their beliefs. But it's the same core set of conservative beliefs. Um, this they look at and they say, well, th this is a movement, um, and clearly it has to be financed, and somebody has to be running it because they don't think in terms of movements. Um, so therefore, it must be Barack Obama and the Democrats. They can't believe that these people don't support Barack Obama and the Democrats. No, they, you're they saying something stronger than that. They can't, they can't believe they aren't somehow a sh creation of shadowy forces inside the Democratic Party. That's right. That's right. They, they just they can't. Yeah. Because they're, they're, all of their things are that way. And, you know, the people, perhaps the people who are saying keep the government off my Medicare weren't aware that somebody was paying for the buses. But um, they... That the buses yeah. were certainly paid for. And well, it was they, like when they, they used to say that Marcos ran the blogosphere, that Marcos gave orders and everybody followed. <laughs> and it was like, it doesn't work, it didn't work that way. You know, that was not, they just didn't understand any other method of organizing. That's actually funny, an interesting metaphor, because Marcos's success was really tied to using the same kind of self-organizing, no-authority model um, in the early days of Daily Coast. I don't know how it works now, but in the early days, certainly, that's how it worked. And it's funny because that's the only media presence that I saw that seemed to be working there was the Daily Coast folks. They were they were adding value by being part of the um, the hotspot team.
and adding value by participating, I think, in the same way that other people participating. I said, was that your impression, or did you not see any of those folks? I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know who was – I mean, I don't really know the – what do you mean by Daily Coast folks? Well, like um, you saw the guy who was on television um, that Fox interviewed and a separate feed showed up. Um, Ministry of Truth is his Cossack name. Jesse. Oh, Cossack. okay. Yeah, that yeah, guy's yeah, a Cossack. Yeah. And, and, he, and I was talking to him at some length when I was down there. And he said, yeah, the Cossacks are actually working. They've, brought, they've been contributing money and bringing in food, and two or three of them were part of the organization down in the, in the computer area. So they're trying to actually participate in the way that the, the place is organized and trying to understand it that way rather than trying to ask questions. Um, at least that's, you know, and I may, I may, I wasn't there for more than two or three hours, so I, you know, I may have gotten a misapprehension, but it seemed to me they were really trying to, to work their way inside the model. And of course, the model is not that different from the Daily Coast Marcos model. If anybody can write a diary, and then the diary can be promoted. And except it, I, I don't, I, except Marcos owns the, the forum. Yes, Marcos owns the forum, and that's different. And. Right. And it changed over time as it became bigger and more successful. It became less and less like that and more and more like front pagers and commenters. And, and, and that's, the kind of, that's the kind of change you might expect to see happen to this, that there will be people who emerge um, to become representative or spokesmen. And, and in that way, as you said in your piece, you know, there's no, no way to tell what could, what's going to happen. And when Micah Siffrey wrote about this, he said, you know, what usually happens is that, you know, someone who's able to manipulate the group dynamic systems, whichever ones they have in place, end up acquiring some kind of authority or power, and then these things break down. But I don't want to speculate. I mean, I've read enough people speculating about how it won't work, and at the moment it seems to be working just fine with, you know, a very thoughtful attempt to preserve what they've set up. You know, the other thing it reminded me of as I was as I was thinking about it is it reminded me of the just immediate reaction that the entire country had to the to the bailouts in September of two thousand eight. Then mean, the ninety well, everybody everybody in the rank and file, everybody did not want to see the Congress Congress's office was Congressman's office were deluged with people saying, We do not want to see these banks bailed out. We don't want to see this happen. And there was a sense that everybody who wasn't in power, agreed on that. There was like a 90% or an 80% or some kind of widespread American um, rank-and-file reaction of, no, these banks don't deserve to be bailed out. They should have to, they should go down. You don't, you, you don't think, it, you, didn't see it, you don't remember it that way? Um, or you don't see any parallel? No, it's a good question. Um, hmm. Because I think that what made me think of that is the Tea Party people were starting to feel like their thunder is being stolen by these people who are using rhetoric um, that they feel like was their rhetoric. And I knew a lot of conservative people who were furious at the idea of the government bailing out these banks. And I knew a lot of liberals furious at the idea that the government bail out these, these, corporate, monst these corporate monsters. There's a different anger, but it was the same, but it was shared across the spectrum. And it was shared by people who weren't part of who weren't bankers, who weren't banksters, I should say. Hmm. But if you, well, think about I mean, it. I think I think I, you know, you look at this, and so here's, it's hard to say because if you talk to somebody about, so like seventy percent of Americans think that we shouldn't be in Afghanistan, if you ask them, and yet something like you know, well, it was this way. I don't know if it's this way anymore, but you know, fifty percent, 
60% of people approve of Obama's Afghanistan policy, right? Which doesn't make sense because if 70% of us want out of Afghanistan, but 50% approve of a policy in which keeps us in Afghanistan, like clearly the, the personality, the, the sort of tribal support um, gets in the way of actually being clear about what they want. So liberals, you know, might say that they're frustrated that the banks are doing well, but they supported Barack Obama, who, you know, is basically uh, a banker. When and, you say liberals, you, you mean in polls that they supported the, the bailout? Yes, liberals Liberals are were, were the most. I mean, it basically depends on who's in power. When a Republican is in power and says, we need to do this, Republicans support it. When a Democrat is in power and says, we need to do this, the Democrats usually support it. There are a few different issues where that doesn't entirely hold true. But, yeah, I mean, generally, uh, Democrats were the more supportive group uh, on the bailouts than the Republicans. And certainly, you know, I, you, I'm you actually... would see a 90% disapproval of Obama if you were a Republican. I'm actually thinking of September 2008, which was when this started, which was when Lehman went down. I mean, I remember the t- date. It was in September. It might have been October. I thought it was September because I was away. I was in Vermont listening to this on the radio as it was happening. And the bailouts were – that was under Bush. Yeah, I remember. And, but do you remember, like, McCain suspended his campaign? Yeah. And then exactly. Obama came in. And remember all the people being like, Obama is such an adult. Remember, remember that? Yes, I do. I do remember that too. I mean, that, that was like, you know, people didn't like the bailouts, but the Democrats were still like, oh man, he's such an adult for doing these bailouts. Right. You know, Being, it was pathetic. It was indeed pathetic. Um, so, like, you know, you can say that people don't like the bailouts, and they don't. But at the time, in 2008, in 2009, and you know, 2010, they were perfectly willing to support politicians, and they still are perfectly willing to support politicians. Who, um, who support these kinds of policies. And what you're seeing with Occupy Wall Street is the beginning of a creation of a movement culture that is independent of that fake left-right dynamic. Right. Uh, with some of the, they reject both. They see themselves as the transnational leftist class who believe gender, race, and economics are bound up in one struggle against oppression. And that doesn't fit into any of the party frames. And that's why they're there, is to assert that transnational leftist belief right. that I mean that, there, there is no there is no pro WikiLeaks party. There just right. isn't. No, there's there no There is no party there is no party that believes that the president should be constrained by the courts when he chooses to kill someone. There's no party that believes domestic surveillance is a bad thing. There That's is no right. party yeah, yeah, that's right. And this is, and and the thing is, and when they try to, when when outsiders try to pin down folks in the Occupy Wall Street group, and they say, well, what's the most important issue? And they say, well, all of them. <laughs> These are manifestations of a, of a of an oppressive of an oppressive society that's crushing people. And, and you know, are they crushing them because of medical care? Are they crushing them because of they're losing their house? Are they crushing them because they don't have opportunity to get a job? Are they crushing them? It does, you know, do they crushing them because their phones cost too much? Is is it bad because they can't get good internet connections? All of these things. I, I like are, the line. Somebody had a line where they said, "When there is just one injustice, we'll have just one message." <laughs> but the point, yeah, exactly. And and the point also is is that that's why it's the that's why they're saying ninety nine. They're saying, look, it, it's it's everywhere. It's not any one thing, and if we waste our time on one thing, then there's 90 other things that are, that are not going to be touched. 
Right. It's the whole system, the way we do things. Right. And and the media can't convey that because, of course, the media is part of the whole system and what we do. So. Although, they, you know, I have to say, people are complaining about the media coverage, but I'm seeing more and more kind of positive media coverage of the Occupy Wall Street. You know, Ben Bernanke sort of quasi-endorsed it and, you know, like Obama. I mean, I'm kind of getting freaked out by all the establishment people who are like, I sympathize with these protesters. Maybe they're not threatening enough. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, Water Tiger um, sent me um, a uh, a picture of the CBO, the Chicago Board of Trade, and it was on the wall. There were there, somebody had put into their windows, as you could see out from the outside. We are the one percent, and and she said, "Look, it is not horrible." I said, "No, that's great. This message is penetrating to them." I mean, yeah, I, thought message, that was, I thought that was pretty funny, actually. I did too. I, I kind of like whoever did that. I think it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Screw you. We um, are we are the one percent, and we're proud of it. Right. I mean, the people that are dangerous are actually the people who are like, "Why are they protesting? I don't see anything wrong." Oh, the people you saying, know? "Get a job, you lazy fuck," who are That's in right. fact, I mean, who, the, the, who don't the masters of the universe who just are puzzled. They don't get it. Like uh, Mitt Romney called these people dangerous and said this is a class war. You know, here's where this is going to get nasty, okay? And this is, I think, what people – like, if you want to look at where this is actually going to create conflict, I mean, part of it is they're pulling the conversation out of D.C. and out of the media and, and towards, towards the people. And so what will happen when they actually make political decisions? They already submitted some free trade agreements this week. It's not having any – Occupy Wall Street's not having any impact on that. But the RNC – convention is in Tampa Bay this year, and I imagine, and the, the Tampa Bay mayor has been talking up these, you know, cracking down on protesters, saying we're going to deal with them with ruthless efficiency, and has asked for $50 million from the federal government to buy, among other things, predator drones. I saw uh, that. Which is crazy. There's actually a predator drone caucus in Congress, which is bipartisan, by the way. Um, so, like, this is this is this is where the conflict is actually going to happen because you know the the police are and the you know they're going to get all sorts of candy and toys from you know the funding which is what they which is you know what the the, the heads of these security services want and they're going to have to use them right in order to justify the funding and they're already excited at least this this Tampa Bay mayor is already excited to kind of you know crack down on protesters. And this is, I mean, this is where the, the, the question of, of the political establishment is going to come into play because there will be conflicts, there will be violence, there already has been violence, and the protesters are going to say that the police are instigating the violence. And, of course, the police are going to say, oh, well, it's, it's, those, it's those damn dirty hippies. And that's when the political establishment is going to be put on the spot and people are going to actually ask them. They're going to say, do you believe that what these protesters are doing is okay. And there are going to be YouTube videos of police just macing people, beating people, and then there are going to be media reports about how protesters clashed with police and one policeman was injured and they had to arrest these, these hooligan protesters. And that's when the question will, will, will come to the fore. And that's when we're going to see the political establishment really under strain. Now, how, this, of course, makes one think of Chicago 68, and that didn't help the Democrats one bit, did it? I don't know. 
I don't know I either. I'm, I'm I, trying I, to remember Nick's line. I can't. Let's let's let that drop. I, I don't I don't want to go back to that. Um, yes, that's that's going to be the issue. The thing is, is that the the YouTubing, the fact that we're going to have this documented all the time, I think is going to make it really hard for them to control um, the message, isn't it? Um, you are more maybe of an of a digital utopianist than I. Ah. Um, I believe that you can you can have a YouTube video. Where a couple million, where a couple million people watch, say Amy Goodman be arrested at the Republican National Convention in 2000. Which happens, which happens to be on the lead of the post today. If you folks haven't seen it yet. That's right. So this is just a journalist who was like asking for, you know, you know like the, just was wandering somewhere and the police just arrested her. Um, and it's not like, and she was released and got a, got recently got a hundred thousand dollar settlement. But the media is really powerful, and they don't have to report on that if they don't want to. And the political establishment can just say, "We think that this this is you know these protesters are hooligans," and that message can carry and it can work. Right, and the social media dream is that you can do the same thing that the general convention does, that they can shout out 140 characters from the scene to somebody who's close to the scene in some way to give them authenticity to say, yes, and I know that's true, because this person who tweeted this, I know, would be telling the truth. And the idea would be that we'd circumvent the media by using this alternative method of communication. But that's not big enough, is it? Well, it's not just that it's not big enough. It's that, let's say that you have Barack Obama as the Democratic nominee, and someone says, have you heard of these protesters and what's happened outside, whatever that event is? Barack Obama is now on the spot, and he can say, wow, I really think it's inappropriate for what the police did. Or he can say, I really think it's inappropriate what the protesters did. But more likely, he will say, people need to follow the law and you know, I just think this disorder is a is a is a real problem, and we need to stop playing political games with it, because that's what he says about everything. And or he would say, "There's there's there's merit in both sides, and we have to come together he, like grown-ups and settle our differences peacefully." I, do, I doubt he'd say that because he would probably <laughs> want to take the side of the of the police. Yes. And then what'll happen is, you're going to see 40% of the Democrats, who you know trust Obama, they're going to take his side. And then the polling will show 70%, because the Republicans hate protesters. So you're going to see uh, a 70% supermajority say that these protesters are, um, you know, are, are, are too aggressive. And then you will start to see ordinances and restrictions on, on free speech and assembly. More of them. And that, I mean, that, that, that could be, I mean, because cause that's, that's really the problem. It's not that, that the... Um, it's not that the message can't get out. It's that people don't want to, you know, they don't believe their lying eyes. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times people prove that Obama didn't want public option and wasn't going to accept a public option and had cut deals that there wasn't going to be a public option. People just, they just insisted that, in fact, it was Republican intransigence that prevented the public option. Um, yes, or... Or you know that he really opposed the Iraq War, and when he voted against the uh, supplemental, that was his true feeling. But now, he just is doing the best he can inside a difficult situation, and That's we right. have to believe we have to believe that he's really doing the best that he can. You know, he's constrained. I mean, he's just the president. I mean, you know, he's got to overcome the 659. What can he do? 
there's only he only all he had is a 59 Senate majority and a huge House majority. He was powerless for those two years. Absolutely. I mean, and then this this Department of Justice thing can do nothing because the banks everything the banks did was legal. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we got to we got to recount that really quickly. Today, today Obama said that the reason that no bankers have been prosecuted is they didn't break any laws. All they did was exploit loopholes that were wrongly left in the regulatory apparatus that need to be corrected, and therefore, um, it's just too bad that that they had these opportunities. But they're there to make money, and it's only right that they get to exploit loopholes that legislatures have badly left in the legislation. Did you see Marcy Wheeler's response to that? No. What did she say? Marcy had a post that just said, Marcy had a post that she said, so, so why are these civil suits happening charging these guys with fraud? And she went, and she's banged through, you know, 15, 15 instances where the, the DOJ is bringing civil suits about fraud. I mean, it's not even, it, it, it's laughable that he would say that. And I think you're right. I think 40, 50 percent, I'd say, oh, well, I guess he did the best he could in the face of badly written laws. That's so, right. yes, that's a problem. Now, do you think that this alternate voice out there is going to have any effect on that kind of tribalism? You don't, do you? I do, actually. I think um, it, it's it's slow, but um, having an alternative is incredibly important. And what, what Barack Obama's role in the political system is, is to foreclose on any alternatives to kind of a Bush policy axis. Um, people thought that the Republicans were bad and that the Democrats would be different. In fact, um, there, were, there were parts of the Democratic Party that were different, but the, the dominant leadership of the Democratic Party wasn't. So Barack Obama's job was to make sure that the Democrats pursued the same policies as the Bush administration, and he has done that job, and he has done it well. And that way, the public effect is effectively disenfranchised, even though they're in a two-party system. A friend of mine said, and this is... Um, a Tiny Revolution was one of my favorite blogs. It said, the problem with communism, the reason they didn't maintain power, is because what they should have done is they should have had two communist parties, one of which is pro-choice. Um, and um, the, the, this is a genuine uh, alternative to that kind of dominant neoliberal consensus. And that's why the church metaphor is actually important, because animating people's support of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party is this group sense of meaning, that it means something to be a Democrat. It's when people get frustrated with Obama in the Democratic side or they get frustrated with Bush on the Republican side, it's because they felt like there was some animating meaning to being a Republican or being a Democrat. And it's very, very hard for people to let go of that unless they have another meaningful narrative to tell about how they think about politi organizing politically. And this gives them that. Now, they're not all going to take it, but it... it it's an alternative source of legitimacy, and that, that's, that's really scary, but awesome. I think it's great. Okay, hold that thought for a second. I've got a question from the audience, but I've done a bad job of, of running my program. I'm supposed to have stopped for coming, in, coming attractions at half past the hour. So, Sherry, can we get a quick, a quick coming attraction just in a minute or so? Maybe not. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, you want them now? Yeah, now, and, okay. and brief. And brief. So uh, Stuart is on his way home from the General Assembly and will be online with us in 15 minutes for A to Z. And then this Sunday, for Virtually Speaking Sundays, Marcy Wheeler is going to be on with Julian Sanchez. 
Julianne is a Washington, D.C.-based writer and journalist covering the intersection of privacy, technology, and politics. He is also a research fellow at the Libertarian Cato Institute. On Tuesday, Susie Madrick will be back with Virtually Speaking Susie. And on Thursday, Jay's guest is Allison Kilkenny of Citizen Radio. Thank you, Sherry. <laughs> yep, thank you. Um, one, of the, one of the commenters says something I think is important to, to hear. He says, uh, this is um, Eleutherius Rizzuto. He says Stoller and, um, demonstrates how Obama doesn't even try. If he did, I'd be willing to give him the credit and benefit of the doubt. But not only does he not try, he actively does bad things behind closed doors. I, I think that this trying thing is something that I, I would have thought would be dead by now. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's doing what he wants to do, isn't it? I mean, that's what I think. You know, the the yeah. I mean, the I mean, Stewart characterizes this as centrism as an ideological way of looking at things that says that the world is changing in ways that require us to lower wage rates and reduce benefit levels and make things more difficult for middle class people so that capital will flow to the United States, that there's some kind of organizational ideological commitment to that that leads to these policies. But I don't think there's any any doubt anymore that he's not doing what he wants to do. He he it, it doesn't seem to change. You know, whether he has power, whether he has support from his party or he doesn't have support from his party, he, he still seems to adopt the same policy regimes. That's right. I mean, he believes he believes that, you know, somebody said something interesting, which was like, you know, he, 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 he and Bill Clinton and, you know, all these Democrats came out and said something about, you know, when Steve Jobs died, but they were all silent when Troy Davis died. Because that's what they think. They think that the masters of the universe run the country because the masters of the universe are uh, are legitimate and that the little people don't matter. And that, well, that you know it's sort of like nice, you know it's it's a virtuous thing, you know, to to give some some crumbs to the little people. Like that's there's, there's sort of a personal virtue in that. But it's not essential to the social contract and it's kind of a tragedy. Right, but and of course the people who are the masters of the universe are there by dint of um, achievement, I mean diligence right. and talent. And, um, and a commitment to hard work. And that's how they got there. They didn't get there by luck. They got there by um, their innate superiority. And that's a real problem. <laughs> of, course it's not, of course, it's not true. Well, no, I mean, they're, they're, that's right. It's not, I mean, it's obviously not true. Um, and, I, and, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a deep cynicism among the centrists. I think they kind of know it's not true, or at least some of them do. But they kind of also think, well, you know, this is the way this is the way it works. So, you know, if you want to be a player, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to think. So everybody's got to grow up sometime. Right. I've heard people that, say that. Yes, you have really. You've heard people say somebody else. Well, was this when you were, you know, well, you were in Washington. You were around them all the time, or you did hear people say that? Yeah, I've heard people who I liked, who were, you know, very liberal, then go into the administration and, you know, be like, well, so you know, got to grow up sometime. Right. Um, yeah. Oh no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start naming names now. Uh, I wanted to close by talking about this little kerfuffle that happened today, uh, late today. I, I noticed in the Twitch stream as I was um, actually finishing cleaning up after dinner that um, Move On is trying to, in some ways, endorse and and make part make. That's trying to glom onto the energy. I guess that's the right way of saying it of the um, wall, Occupy Wall Street, and there's some poster. <laughs> 
Can you can you describe what was going on, or or do you want me to try to recollect? Yeah, oh, I mean, the, cluster says, the cluster says thanks for your support. Move on now. Go fuck yourself. Leave us. You know, basically, we don't. We believe in equality. W- don't label us. Um, and uh, you know, we, we're here. And um, basically, stay away. Right. And so then, I think that's accurate. I, mean, I think that's more clever than that, but. That was it was more clever than that, and I, I don't have it in front of me. Maybe I'll pull it up while I look around. But the point, but the, but the point here is they really are not going to um, tie themselves down to existing. I don't want to say not entities to, to the to the existing way in which communication and advocacy works. Their they, their model is important to them. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's a process. Well, okay, so so first of all, I mean, saying that one sign represents Occupy Wall Street is... Is, is wrong it's already. Not fair, it's not wrong. fair to say that. I, I think right. that, that that represented that one person, and there were people who found it, like, really satisfying, and there were other people who thought that it was rude, and then there were people who were like, well, I get the point, that don't necessarily agree with it. So it's like, it's, you know, but the the that said... Um, you know, the, the process is very important. Uh, process sort of is the point. And, um, yeah, I mean, these people are aware that they um, have created something very cool and that people want to co-opt it. Um, and, uh, you know, because it's, you know, the, the, the thing that's interesting about this is people sort of assume, it's, it's funny, people assume that the people behind this are unsophisticated, even as they've <laughs> created the, the most interesting, most dynamic um, uh, social movement that we've seen in in since like the 99 IMF protest, and they're actually some of the same people. Like they haven't really spent a lot of time thinking, wow, these people really know how to organize, right? I mean, they really know how to organize, and you would think that is fascinating. I want to learn how these people think about power. I want to know what they want to do. Like. This stuff is deliberate. They've thought about it for for many years. There's an intellectual tradition here. Like these are not amateurs. Um, so uh, when they well, when they've, they, when they, they've yeah. also got the power of open source. They've got that that institute that the open source preserves things that work and jettisons things that don't. And an open source social movement is one that's going to become very resilient very quickly. Well, we'll see. I guess. Yeah, I guess we will. I got the poster up in front. Let me read it aloud. Attempts to spread the world about our American autumn. We would like to say, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dear Move On, while we at OWS do really appreciate your attempts to spread the word about our, quote, American autumn, we'd like to take this moment to say, fuck off. We are not a movement preaching the DNC message. We are not the liberal Tea Party. We are not conservative, liberal, communist, libertarian, fascist, technocratic, republican, minarchist, genocratic, or androcratic. We are pragmatic, we are egalitarian, we are isocratic. In short, we are free. Neither you nor anyone else will own us. It echoes anonymous, doesn't it? Well, that sort of does, yeah. Although there's, a, there's actually an interesting level of sophistication you know, there to, to say you know, you're repeating the DNC message. You know, it's not like they're saying you're repeating the Obama message. They're actually picking out a specific institutional framework. So clearly, whoever that is, Whoever made that sign actually knows a lot about the institutional machinery of the Democratic Party. Indeed. We've got about four minutes. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure we get out today? Um, no, I mean I I think this is you know, this is interesting. I, I I'm kind of 
I'm looking forward to, you know, how how the the, the well, okay. So there is one other thing, I guess, which is that um, there is a basic ideological disagreement between Occupy Wall Street and uh, the progressive institutional movement, and I think people overlook this because progressives are basically not comfortable with disagreement. Um, but it is as follows. If you look at the main messaging thrust of the progressive movement, it is something called uh, Rebuild the Dream, which is a um, Van Jones organized, Van Jones is a former White House staffer, um, an environmentalist who, and also African-American uh, civil rights kind of movement guy. Um, he, uh, he organized with Move On and a whole bunch of other uh, groups this, this notion, we need to um, save the middle class and uh, we need to uh, restore the American dream. And um, it's obviously not catching on because you don't hear a lot of people saying we need to restore the American dream, and to the extent that you do, it's actually the Heritage Foundation and you know, various other groups that are just globbing onto this phrase. The people at Occupy Wall Street don't actually um, agree on the American dream as a good thing. Um, some of them, I'm sure, do. But many of them, and I, I heard this at one of the General Assemblies, one guy who's talking about how America, Wall Street was originally named Wall Street because it was a wall to protect the um, settlers from the Native Americans. And then there was an African cemetery down the road, which, which is where slaves were buried. He's like, just remember, when people talk about taking our country back, it was never our country. It was always their country. And um, the, the people at Occupy Wall Street are having much more first principles oriented debates. They're much more international, internationalist. They're much more about Tahrir Square and what was going on in England and what's going on in Spain than they are this notion that there's a kind of American exceptionalism. And progressives, even people like Michael Moore, are talking about American exceptionalism in their in a sort of an implied way. And that's very and that, these are these are fundamentally different notions of how the world works. So that's actually, I think, important to understand. Well, I think that's a perfect place to close as well. Yeah, I think that's really an important insight. And, of course, that's reflected in that poster as well. This is not an American movement either. This is a – I was going to say global, but that's not right. Transnational is what is what you said, and I think that's really the right word for it. Well, Matt, we really appreciate your stopping by, especially on pretty short notice. And, and I'm really glad we were able to catch you in a moment where you were right on the zeitgeist of something that's breaking right now. Um <laughs> And I'm really glad well, thanks, you didn't try. I'm glad you didn't try to make any predictions either, because I think anybody who tries to make any predictions is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy enjoy your um, uh, enjoy your time with Stuart. He's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, thanks so much, and um, right. we'll see you. Well, we'll see you next time. I don't know when or about what, but we'll see you again. Thanks, Matt. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Folks, thanks so much for joining us at Virtually Speaking with Jay Ackroyd. And now we're going to transition to Virtually Speaking A to Z. Here we go. That's what I said. Here we go. Oh, no. I'm all alone. Um, Stuart will be here as soon as he can, I'm sure. I didn't think to check to make sure he was here because he said he would be, but I'm sure he will be in just a moment. Um, 
I'd really like to talk just for a minute or two about what Matt was saying in the previous segment and try to recap that for folks who, aren't, who didn't get a chance to hear that. A couple of really important points Matt made. I think actually perhaps the most important one is that there's really, and he closed with this, so I'm going to repeat it, um, is that there's really a huge difference between the central motivating elements, the central understanding of what it means to be a citizen among um, progressive Americans, people like, as, as Matt said in the last segment, Michael Moore, and the people who are organizing the Occupy Wall Street operation. Oh, there's Stuart. Hey, Stuart. Hey, hey, Jay. I'm in the middle of a sentence. I'll be, I'll be right with you. Um, and what, he said, what he said just then was that they're transnational. They don't have this American exceptionalism. You know, something that motivates Michael Moore is he wants, to have, he wants to have Detroit back. He wants to have Flint back. He wants to have America as a power, as an industrial power, as a place where it's different and better than anywhere else in the world. And the people in what Matt was just saying, and I think he has a point, is that they, the people who are organizing Occupy Wall Street don't see things that way. They see things transnationally. I think there are values that are not... Are, that are more important than American exceptionalism, and that the idea of taking back this country, for example, is one that, that doesn't resonate with them, the way um, stopping oppression by the institutional forces that are currently crushing us does. And with that, Stuart, you were just down there. Yeah, I was, Jay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I uh, I guess I, I, I you know, hate to start it off like this, but but I, I kind of beg to differ. Um uh, I, you know, Good. This is, this is, this is going to be a little. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, there, there certainly uh, is a sort of contingent of of people that that are populating that that space right now that that do have ideas about uh, you know global systemic X or Y and 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 don't. Um, care as much about the fact that people here, middle class people here, and working class people here, and poor people here, ninety nine percent of us are are getting, you know, um, a raw deal, bad deal, and uh, are having our lives made worse. But a whole bunch of them do care. Do what? They do care about here, specifically here, specifically the United States, specifically the middle class of the United States, specifically middle and working class of the United States, specifically middle class, working class, and poor people in the United States. Ministry and, of Truth, uh, for example. Ministry of Truth wears his, his union cap for a reason, right? Well, um, I didn't see Ministry of Truth down there. I know you did. Um, but I, if you see him on this TV clip, you see he's wearing a union cap, a Civil War union cap. right. Right. And that's um, they, got to be a statement of American values rather than well. There's more explicit. It's much more explicit than wearing a union cap. There, 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 there are signs and there uh, are um, discussions, and there are individuals, and there are there. There certainly, you know, if one sticks around long enough to observe it, um, you, you know, you can observe. One can observe the sense that. We're talking about a particularly American thing, Wall Street, uh -huh, and a particularly American set of um, 
you know, people who 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 who've gotten who've gotten a bad deal from, from the deal that they got. They're they're not talking about Germany's, you know, bailing potentially bailing out the you know their own banks so that they don't have to eat the losses from the Greek loans or the or the Belgians or whomever. Um, they're they're talking about these particular ones and they're talking about the events that have taken place in this country since September 2008 and they're talking about this middle class and and they are talking about manufacturing here. They are talking about um, the loss of a certain kind of productivity and a certain kind of creation of value in this country. Um, and so I don't want to say that there aren't people who who are genuinely transnational, and I don't want to say that that uh, it's wrong to claim, you know, th- that that exists. But um, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't say that. You, you just can't say that this this whatever's down there is 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 sort of unconcerned with the America part of this. Well, and you can't particular particulars of our our nation. Part of the point of the 99 is you can't pin down much of anything. I mean, I, the, the media guy that I saw giving interviews said more than once, he said, look, the reason we're 99 is because we've got an incredibly diversity, a diverse set of views, and you can't pin us down to anyone because there will be someone who disagrees with it. But we all do know that we're not being treated um, in the same way as the 1% is being treated. And that's what's wrong. That's true, but, but it's it's not it's not that it's not that this is somehow divorced from the realities of the past three years or the past eight years or the past eleven years in in folks' minds, especially the past eleven years, basically, because um, this is a really relatively you know college age crowd. It's really eighteen to thirties that are that are the vast majority of people that are down there. Um, but. It is, it is most that they know that the rest of the world exists, and, the, and it's obvious that they have they understand that there's there's this thing globalism, and that there's this you know thing that this system that that's taking place in more than one place, and that that uh, Europe is going through an austerity craze too. Um, it, it's not that they don't know this and they're not aware of it, but they do seem to be concerned about their home first and foremost. I, I would have to say, and there isn't some sort of um, cosmopolitan, as Matt Iglesias would put it, understanding of one worldism, I guess there are people No, 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 no. That, that, that's not that's not what Stoller was saying. He's he's saying that these um values have been growing in these movements that have been moving around the world essentially, and that they're sharing values with um movements into here square and movements in other parts of the world um by people who share these values um we We talked a little bit in the first part of the talk about the uh, about this being an open source movement that is that participants gain value um in the community by their contributions, and um that some of those contributors have been working at this for a very long time it's not in any case, I don't. I don't want to get off on this tangent because I want you to talk about what happened today at the general convention. Your experience at, uh, at the convention. You went to one, right? Well, I, I was. Uh, yes, I was just. I've just come from uh, the uh, the general assembly, the last general, general assembly. assembly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it, it's uh, it's fine. So um, so basically, uh, it's it's uh, a different Occupy Wall Street tonight than it has been. Uh, over the past three days, I've I've been down there uh, covering, as it were, this for the past 
for the past three days, not 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 hour after hour, but certainly multi hours. I was there for three hours on Tuesday. I was there for a couple of hours last night during some of the the, the heated um, uh, exchanges with with um, the New York Police Department and and their their crowd control units. And then tonight uh, for where I, I did an extraordinary thing, I suppose, in, in terms of uh, being a correspondent for the show, I went, I, I ran from the Downtown Independent Democrats organization meeting in which a resolution to express solidarity with Occupy Wall Street and its goals was defeated. Okay. Say that again. Um, a, a resolution on the part of a local uh, and relatively important uh, independent democratic organization, partisan you know, Democrats, uh, called the Downtown Independent Democratic Council. Um, those folks who were instrumental, for example, in electing uh, Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who he of the, having been kicked off of the uh, bank um, lawsuit settlement negotiations, the, the Money Center Bank, uh, you know, immunity talks, um, uh, they're instrumental in getting him in the position that he's in now. And those folks uh, have just come back from their meeting in which there was presented a resolution uh, by district leader of my district, Paul Newell, uh, expressing solidarity with uh, Occupy Wall Street. And that was uh, debated heatedly and ultimately um, defeated. So they rejected his support. They rejected specific language that expressed solidarity with um, Occupy Wall Street. The, right. the first, the first line of the resolution was "We, uh, you know, uh, whereupon we, downtown independent Democrats, blah blah blah, um, uh, you know, are, are stand in solidarity with the Occupy Wall Street movement." That was rejected. It was defeated. It was voted uh, down. And uh, there were issues that. They've left it up to an executive committee to form another resolution in which specific issues, um, such as bank regulation, were to be then debated and possibly included in a new resolution of support, not of Occupy Wall Street, but of specific issues. Um, the language in one of these resolutions was banking regulation, such as uh, the Glass-Steagall law that was repealed, that was rejected. That was rejected. By, that was rejected. The language um, uh, uh, in that point of the resolution was rejected in favor of taking Glass-Steagall and any mention of it out. And uh, again, that was referred back to again to this executive committee that would decide on it later. Um, but uh, in favor of a more general banking regulation. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. It was very interesting going from that, and there's a lot I could I could report on from that. Um, but that was that was sort of the most most interesting part of it, uh, and the most heated because uh, the defense of Wall Street that was mounted by one of one of the um, council members of the Downtown Independent Democrats was I mean hey it, it, it was like uh, it, it was uh, like you know the, the Lincoln Douglas debate. I mean it was a heated. These people are our friends. I have quotes from from this that are that are pretty amazing in this regard. Um, it, it was very interesting going from that heated debate and that 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 meeting and running across 
about you know 12 blocks running to occupy Wall Street uh, in time to hit the General Assembly meeting, where I saw the General Assembly adopt very slowly and vocally a, uh, a, 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 a sort of resolution, although it's certainly not the same as the Democrats' resolution, that said that, that reiterated that they were not a liberal left movement. <laughs> All right. That's really um, going to piss off those Tea Party people, isn't it? <laughs> um, they they were very concerned, uh, and this got shouted and mic checked a whole bunch of times. They were very concerned that um, at least the people there not get the idea that they were um, endorsing people like the people I saw at the downtown independent Democrats meeting. They were very concerned that nobody get the idea that they were in solidarity or, you know, or could be seen in solidarity as being in solidarity with the uh, Democrats that I just, um, I came right. from. Originally. They, they, it was they do. Th- I mean, I, I actually saw that. The central tenet is that they are not allied with any group currently wielding power, isn't it? Um, yeah, that seems that seems to be a general sense um, of it. Uh, but but uh, I guess uh, so. So yes, that 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 does seem to be the case, and that seems to be unchanged, Jay, from uh, yesterday and from uh, the day before yesterday, from Tuesday, from the time that I've been I've been uh, covering this. I, I I think that that's an unchanged thing. With what aspect of of what's going on down there? What has what has changed is that more. Uh, of different kinds of people have shown up over the past three days and have made their presence and made their their uh, participation um, look different over the course of these three days. I was um, wondering about that because it should be hard. I mean, you know, the the, the ability to accumulate um, enough cred to be able to speak and be listened to um, usually requires in in this kind of lo- very loose self-organizing kind of thing time. You need to contribute for a while before you're taken seriously. Well, uh, you mean to the people down there? Because that's who they care about. To the people down there, yeah. Yeah, um, well, they know who each other are. And they know the difference between themselves and, say, the Socialist Workers' Party professional activists who showed up yesterday. (laughs) I imagine they do know the difference. Well, no, it, it's it's really you know it, it's a yes they can and yes they do and so um, it's not that they're unwelcoming it's not that they don't want participation it's not that they don't welcome participation but they they know the difference between genuine participation and participation that is essentially uh, an in, you know an attempt at an injection. Right. Um, and and so it, it's been very it's, tonight. What was very different, in as much as that it was it was even more serious, really, than the past two days. These are very serious people. Um, they're very serious about what they're doing. They 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 take details very seriously, and they take big picture things very seriously. And that was that. It's becoming more so that way, and not serious in a self-indulgent sort of manner, not serious in a in an arrogant manner or in a pompous manner, but but in a practical 
uh, and for lack of a better word, pragmatic manner. Um, and, and so that's, that's apparent. It's becoming more and more um, uh, focused and serious, uh, the folks who are down there. Um, also, you know, I've got to say, uh, the, 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 the professional protesters, you know, the, the sort of uh, what we used to refer to in, in 2002 and 2003 as the answer crowd, um, you know what I'm talking about, Chase? Yeah, I do, I do. The people Not that the people who are, right, the people who show up at all of these things and end up being used by the media to say that this is just a bunch of crazy people. To discredit it, and, and of right. course, they're happy with that because they, they're largely symbolic and not practical. People, and the Democrats are happy with that, too, because it means they can dismiss these people as dirty hippies they can just punch, and they're not really people who have any kind of effective, because look at them. Just look at them. And they've tried well, to do this with Occupy Wall Street. It was, uh, it was actually fairly incredible hearing the uh, the mischaracterizations that went on uh, at the at the most progressive, most liberal Democratic club in the state of New York. Um, it, it was fairly incredible to hear them say, "Well, okay, let's strike the solidarity thing. We totally understand. We we definitely don't want to uh, appear uh, radical." And at all, and certainly we don't want to get anybody to have the idea that we're against capitalism at all. And so, I mean, I, these are quotes. I, again, I have, I have quotes written down that are just sort of breathtaking in, in how they, they, they have no uh, real um, bearing on the reality of Occupy Wall Street. Um, so you're right, Jay. In fact, yes, this is what, what but, but, the down, but the people at Occupy Wall Street are, are, aren't really concerned with that either. But they are concerned with differentiating they aren't concerned, themselves. They aren't concerned with what either. They're not. They're not concerned with appearing radical or or, or anti-capitalist. Um, they just don't. They just. They don't care, and they certainly don't care whether Democrats think that they're that way. What they do care about is simply not being um, used by professional activists. Right. Um, and 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 so there were so many less of those people milling around today uh, and getting in the way of the real function of that place today, as far as I can tell, um, that it was remarkable. Um, and, 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 and yet there were even more people than when the professional activists were attempting to sort of make their, their presence and their agendas and, and, them, them, and sort of be the coalition or something. Right. Um, there were even more, there were, there were even more people. So I want to say that there uh, last night, when there was a, a real serious action to occupy Wall Street, um, there were about ten to twelve thousand people. And for those of you who, 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 who you know, I, I, it used to be my job to play in front of crowds of people. I was I was a, a, a musician, so I am actually a reasonably fairly good judge of oh, what is the house count of? Oh, that's eight thousand people. This is you know, I understand what I'm playing to. I played. I think the biggest amount of people I played to was sixty thousand people, and that was at the Reading Festival in in, in Britain. Um, and uh, and so I, I'm a fairly good judge of, of, of how many people there are in a, in a place. And I will say that there were about ten to twelve thousand people in Occupy Wall Street last night. There were about twenty five or so the night before. And tonight there were a, a good you know Irving Plaza crowd. Tonight I'm sorry, it's a local uh, place to play in, in New York City. There's a good twenty eight to, to three thousand people that were in in that area. And the the core General Assembly itself seemed to have expanded from Tuesday. To, to tonight. So it, it, it is changing. It is different. It is interesting. 
Um, and what's also been interesting, Jay, is seeing how uh, the coverage of this is so remarkably inaccurate. And I, and I mean that in, in terms of professional media. I mean that in terms of well-meaning, liberal blogosphere analysis. I mean that in terms of not establishment Democrats. I mean that in terms of establishment Democrats. I mean that in terms of the New York Times. I mean that in terms of cable news. I mean that in terms of everybody. It seems to be um, really, really inaccurate, like systemically almost, but not. It's just incredibly inaccurate. Um, and, and, uh, and, and I have to say that there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason for that, uh, Jay, which is um, that the commenters and analysis and reportage that's happening is not as a result of participation. You have to actually be there for enough time and do what people do who are coming to this event are doing in order to really have a, a, an accurate grasp of the, of the complexity of it and not to romanticize it and not to uh, uh, fit it into a, a, a caricature of, you know, a Dave Matthews band crowd, you know, audience or something or, or whatever. It, it, it's really important that, that actual participation take place. And so that's, that's what's missing is that that, that element needs, needs to be there. Um, we have a question from, from the audience uh, in, in Second Life. Uh, Theodore says, what are they doing? Can you articulate what these people are doing? Um, and, and I can. It, it, is, it, is, it is pretty evident over the past three days uh, that, that I, we, can, we know what, what they're doing. And what they're doing basically is they're trying to occupy Wall Street. And <laughs> it sounds so simple and so, you know, obvious, but that's really what they're trying to do. And it's a, it's a really important thing to understand that that's what they're trying to do. And for, for that, there has to be some kind of background. I want folks who, you know, who are listening to try to understand that um, essentially there's this park and it's very small, um, but... People are camped out there, and people have set it up as sort of a, a sustainable place from which to launch an occupation of a place about a block away. And that place about a block away is Wall and Broadway, is Wall Street, literally the street, Wall Street, and, and Broadway. And let me just, 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 just let me interrupt for a second, Stuart. Just so you know, folks. Right now, that, that place, that Wall Street and Broadway place, is garrisoned. It's set up to, with the expectation that at any moment, a busload of gun-toting, bomb-throwing terrorists could come steaming down Broadway. You can't it's, – it's, it's really interesting when you go down there to see it if you haven't ever seen it before. It looks like a place that's expecting an attack at any moment. So it's really interesting that that's where they're set up. Sorry, Stuart. Well, no, that, that's important to understand, too. Get a, get a picture of it, folks. If you haven't been there and you haven't really seen it, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to visualize. But try. Try to visualize that, that just a block away from this and, and not a driving block, not like a, you know, this is a walkable place. These are sidewalks. 
It's meant to be traffic. It's meant for people to get there back and forth easily because it's on the way to the subway and it's on the way to, the, to you know, the, the lunch place and the Starbucks. And it's, it's meant to be traversed really easily, and they're right there. People are meant to come out of Wall Street and Broadway and go to this little park and sit down and have their lunch and then go back to their jobs. Right. Buy, 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 buy a falafel from a food truck, sit down, have your lunch, and then walk back again. And then Maybe walk stop. right back and get start answering the phones in your email and get back to your job. This Maybe is, this stop is, at the borders on the way back. Right, maybe, or, or you know, you, you maybe uh, get something because you want, you need, fuck, you forgot you have to get a card or something for, you know, the, the wife's, you know, aunt who's having, anyway, it's that kind of, like, really, really small place, and yet, a block away is impenetrable, it's garrisoned, as Jay has said, it's garrisoned with uh, what, yeah, as Jay says, with people who apparently are expecting Hezbollah to launch, you know, mortars and 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 you know, rocket-propelled grenades at them. They, let me add. Let me add also that you you know if you're working down there because I've done a lot of work in the area over the space of two or three years. You know when there's been something called in because suddenly the the, the cop cars will look different. They'll be more armored, and the automatic rifles will come out. And you'll, it'll look different. And so you know that there's something. And one time I was talking to a security guy a couple of weeks after one of those events, and I said, you know, what was happening that Sunday, that, that Tuesday? And he said, oh, well, yeah, there was something, and that's what happened. You can see that in other places, but it's really evident, it's really evident right there. So in some sense, this is the central garrison of the capitalist system, or at least the American capitalist system, and it looks like it's being protected from external threats. It, it, it definitely looks that way. You look there and you see, oh, that's why they flew planes into this place. That's why they took 747s loaded with jet fuel and they flew them right here. That's what they were trying to do. Wow, those bastards. Um, I hate them. I, I wish them harm, but that, I understand why they, that they would do it right here. Um, it, it, is, it is exactly that. It, 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 it's like Leavenworth is here. It's like human... Leavenworth is here. It's like the Pope doesn't get this kind of protection in his Pope mobile. It's like the Queen of England and Buckingham Palace. Hey, they got those funny people with the hats, you know. But the, uh, this is the capital. This is this is where the gold, the value of humanity, is located. And so that's that's definitely the case down here. Now, so so we're getting another question from Theodore, which is an, an important question to answer in this context, which is how much longer will this go on? In my opinion, and so let's let me just describe to you that the, the goal is to occupy this place, to get down there, and to defeat the reasons why they would not be able to occupy Wall Street, and by extension, really the reason why protest movements over the past 40 years in the United States have degraded and failed to be relevant and meaningful and accomplish anything at all. Hey, and on that That's, note, I'm going to be like a real radio guy, and I'm going to make you guys wait for the answer to that question in the description there while Cherry gives us our announcement for the uh, coming attractions. Cherry? I like how you give me the warning there. <laughs> no way. Okay, so on Sunday, uh, Marcy Wheeler will be here with Julian Sanchez. Julian is a Washington, D.C.-based writer and journalist covering the intersection of privacy, technology, and politics.
educational forays into pop culture and philosophy. He's currently a research fellow at the Libertarian Cato Institute, as well as a contributing editor for Reason Magazine. That'll be virtually speaking Sunday, Sundays live at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. On Tuesday, Susie Madrak will be back in the evening with a guest to be announced. And on Thursday, Jay will be here with Allison Kilkenny of Citizen Radio. And that's what I've got for you. Well, okay. Now, Stuart, the answer. Okay. Uh, so the how long can this go on is what the people were in the General Assembly were really talking about tonight. And... Uh, how long it can go on will will really depend on whether uh, there is an escalation uh, in the in a, in some sort of crackdown against them, because these people are doing a really good job of keeping themselves there. What's really important to understand about this is that. The pictures that you see coming out of this of the, the the dreadlocked you know kids who are you know lying you know sleeping in this and, and you know in the pavement and and the the, the drum beaters and the and the you know the people who are obviously camping out and it's like a camp and like it's they're they're at a music festival or something you know it's Bonnaroo third stage without the bon, without the music um, all of those pictures are really showing essentially a role a kind of role that is taken on by a subpopulation of who is existing there and who is doing what they're doing there. It's the people who don't have jobs, who can afford to be there night and day, who are sort of the worker bee drones of this hive. They're cleaning up. They're, they're, they're making sure that the garbage gets taken out. They're making sure that the water in bottles comes in. They're making sure that they get their phones and, and, and laptops, the ones that have them recharged, they're making sure that everything is tidy. They're keeping the different areas of this place, the library, the Spanish translation table, um, the, uh, pr the little press area, um, the sign-up uh, whiteboards for things to do and things to talk about, and the amount of, of printed material that express uh, ideas that they are debating at this place available. These are who is who is doing this. These people, this sort of worker bee contingent, is, is is taking care of this. I mean, it's incredible. They're fastidious. They're they're really practically capable of surviving as if they were in some festival somewhere. And that's the people who are in charge of making that operation run, and they're doing a great job of that. And so, in theory, if they keep getting the people who who meet up and who Facebook and who tweet their way down there to replenish them, and they keep those communication lines open. And uh, they 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 keep having the five o'clock people who show up and the one o'clock in the afternoon people who show up, and they keep having the nine o'clock in the evening people who show up, and they keep having these contingents who keep on meeting them there and keep on making it more and more and more of them and recruit more to this, and more of them show up from elsewhere in the country to who are the hard the 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 heart of the operations to stay there and keep the park for this purpose. People, um, they can go on for for. Uh, I'd say until the November winds happen in New York City. I'm not sure that they can they can stand 20 degrees out there. I'll bet some of them can, but I'm not sure enough of them can. How long can it go on? 
well, until there's a crackdown or until the elements are just too severe for the very, very um, capable and competent people with dreadlocks who apparently smoke pot also sometimes, people uh, to, to be able to handle that situation. Unless they get heaters, uh, unless they get hot pots for, for hot beverages, um, unless they unless unless they they're able to sustain themselves. But that would be my that would be my prediction is that it's 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 tough for them to to hit really cold weather with what they've got. But I could be right. surprised. Let me, be let, me rem- let me remind you folks the rules. They can't use tents. They can't use um, open flame. Um, open flame wouldn't work anywhere in this anyway in this space because it's a cement space and there's no real way to, to create any kind of heated heated area. And so yeah, they can't use a solution that you would use of having some kind of enclosure that you would put a set, uh, some kind of heating element in. That just won't work. So, and I don't know what they're going to do about snow. Well, okay, but the bottom line is that the bottom line is Jay, though, that if anybody can figure that out, it's these people. Indeed. If anybody can figure out how to cope with this crap, they can. They, it's these folks. Um, that's you know, really, guys. I just want to make sure everybody understands. Um, you know, I walk down there and I, you know, I'm, I'm cynical about these things. And now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not romanticizing what's happening. I'm trying to give you an accurate presentation of it. And one of the things that comes through sort of loud and clear from mainstream coverage, certainly, is that the spectacle parts of it, the people who are the dirty hippie parts of it, um, are only a, 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 a a part of it that is responsible for a certain function, and they are specialized at staying in parks overnight, week after week, outside, like as if they were living in Tompkins Square Park, where I live in the East Village. Or there, there are people who specialize in this. It's not that they're hippies, and the whole thing is like one gigantic, you know, patchouli oil, you know, uh, festival or or hacky sack festival. It's that the, these people are specialized. They have their per, they have their role. They have what they're doing. They're not necessarily the people who are writing the copy on the signs that I'm seeing. I've been, I've been, uh, you, you know, I've been subscribed to this magazine. Not subscribed. I pick it up from from the magazine store because where I live, there's a great magazine store that has lots of stuff because it's New York City, and then we have magazine shops. And it, there's this magazine called Adbusters. I think I, I looked at for a, you know a while ago. Like I was just like, wow, this is really neat. A few years ago, I was like, wow, this is really cool. These people understand how weird advertising is and how powerful it is, and they're making fun of it in this funny like onion you know, kind of way. It's like an onion about ad, advertising and marketing and, and that whole manipulative culture and that freak culture that, that you know, thinks it's, it's you know, creative, et cetera, and that they're filmmakers and they're artists and, and writers, et cetera. Uh, I, I picked up that Adbusters magazine quite some time ago, and I thought it was neat. I thought it was cool. And, and, and on Tuesday, I recognized it. I couldn't believe it. The ghostly intelligence, the, the, the intelligence, the, the thought the cleverness, the um, the literacy of the signs that are strewn about there for people to look down on the sidewalk and see and look on that wall over there and see and look at that person holding and see. They're, it's ad busters. The copy that's being written, it's so interesting. It's so pr- provocative and it's so different is, is from this uh, group of creative people who apparently are based in Vancouver, whose magazine I've been reading for a long time because it's funny and intelligent and neat and has something to say and something I respond to, um, which is a sort of anti-consumerist, you know, uh, you know, crass consumerist, 
you know, ex- exploitation bent. And that's out there. And so the people who are, you know, uh, getting the bottled water happening and taking out the plastic bags of garbage and making sure stuff is recycled and cleaning up the cigarette butts uh, are not writing that stuff. There's a specialized group of people who are organizing, who are communicating, who are making sure that the assemblies are happening. There's a specialized group of people who are making sure to know who's there. There's a specialized group of people who are tactical with respect to the police, who are tactical in terms of making sure enough people are in enough of a space where they can't all get arrested and crack down on at once. And there's a group of people who are making the ideas communicated. And, and it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to see this. I've never seen anything like this. Jay, I wasn't there for, like, the student nonviolent coordinating committee, but whatever the crap it was back then, whenever that was, so, you know, I guess in the 60s or 50s, whenever it was, um, I should probably know this, but I wasn't there for any of that stuff. I'm, you know, I remember sort of late 80s kind of stuff, you know, at, at very best, and, and I remember the, the protests over the first Gulf War at the most. And, you know, this is completely different. This is, this, I've never seen anything like this. Maybe other people who are so no, much older no, than me no, have no, seen it, no, but I've no, never no. seen it. Stuart, Stuart, this is entirely new. This, this really is entirely new, this idea that you can take and hold the place this way. And I honestly think that it's, it's the technology that's making it possible. Um, I, you just can't communicate well enough and broadly enough um, with the methods that I mean, you couldn't occupy the square very effectively. Oh, I, oh, I don't know about that, Jay. I, I don't want to contradict you because I know that certainly oh, you're we can't. No, no, no. I, I don't want to give people the impression I'm contradicting you because it is important to know that there is that, that this is get, going to get out no matter what. Meaning, as long as we have you know things like net neutrality rules, somehow maybe kind of as long as they're not cracking down on the internet the way, say, you know, would happen in uh, well, I guess here really. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, here, no, I, and there are people working on it right now. There are people working on it all right, exactly. Work but right but now. not to get off on that. Not not to get off on that. But 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 if things stay minimally the way they are now, um, it is they are not relying on uh, actual media to communicate what's happening, and they are they have the technology, the consumer level technology that allows. Um, Lots of communication to take place as long as there's a battery around, as long as there's a charger around somehow, somewhere. And as long as they have a constant system of getting their electronic devices in and out of this space, which they do because they're smart and capable and practical people above all, um, apparently, and organized above all, apparently, and democratic above all, apparently. So everybody gets their stuff charged. It's incredible. Um, as long as that's happening, they they are going to – communicate and they're going to communicate out and they're going to live stream and they're going to live tweet and they're going to write about and document with photos and video what is what is happening and there's going to be an alternate version of what it what is going on down there available at all times um just not on television or in print media or in regular places where people uh who you know who consume news as a as a consumer consumes McDonald's breakfasts uh, get their get their information, and so that is true that that's happening. But the methods that this group are using are what distinguish them, in my opinion. There is a very very low premium on symbolism. They care more about practical results with just about everything they seem to be doing 
and it shows in the details and the sort of culture of the place. What, what, what I've done is I've sat down on the steps. You know the steps when you go in, Jay, like those, those yeah. steps with the railings? And, yeah. Right, yeah. By, the, by the sculpture? Um, yeah, it's, it, it, when I was there, it's when I heard a, a meeting announcement. I get to hear, I get to see the uh, half the sentence. Yeah, well, the mic check, you call it, the, the half-sentence fragment. You know, we're going to meet at, at this place. We're going to move over. The, we're going to meet at this place. We're going to start here. We're going to walk over there. We're going to leave in this much time. You know, and it took, it took a good five minutes to communicate what they were going to do because they did it in, in four or five-word phrases that were repeated until the, the very back of the crowd had heard what was being communicated. Right. And to people who are like really impatient and really just the, just are addicted to Twitter and are addicted to their Blackberries, their Crackberries and, and are just like, hey, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know for like especially other driven people like, I don't know, press corps people, that seems painfully impractical and, and slow and awful. And yet the decisions are made relatively quickly and things get done relatively quickly. And it's not like they have only between the morning and noon and then they have the lunch appointment so they have to cram a bunch of stuff into there along with their work and then you know god they come back from lunch and they have to just try to get it together and it's after one o'clock and it's like oh my god and then you know they have until like you know five you know and then they really have to start getting ready to get on the train and get the hell out off the island and get out of here and go back to their house or go back to bethesda maryland or wherever they they're not like that they have all day. They have freaking like an hour. They have the time. They, they're invested in, in this. And the bottom line is they need to get it done the right way. And so it's not technology that fuels this weird, no, I'm not saying that at all. To detail. I'm not it, saying that at all. I'm methods. not saying that at all. You're not contradicting me. I'm not saying that it's technology that allows them to use this process. This process is technology free. In fact, they're they're harking back to the way you know Civil War generals talked to their troops, harking back to the way Elizabethans communicated when they were in large spaces. They're not harkening. Except, they're not fucking harkening, Jay. What they're doing is they're doing whatever the crap works. Fine, that's better. You're that's right, you're what right. they're doing. And, and they're, they're practical. And they're working it out. They're solving the problem. We, we can't have we can't have bullhorns. Fine. What will we do? This is what we'll do. Well, does this way work? Not quite. They keep working on it until it works. And they're refining it constantly. Right. And new people are showing up, so they're not attached to, like, any old way of doing stuff. It's it's practical, eminently practical. And the goal, as of last night, was so clear and so brilliant in its simplicity. You know, again, I'm trying not to wax... You know, romantic about this. I can't stand the well-meaning liberal commenters who are saying the revolution. Yay! You know, like it's so bullshit. It's such not what they're doing at all. But what they are trying to do, what they tried to do last night, and what got really tense, and what what exposed more and more of the tactics that would be used against them, was that they tried to occupy Wall Street. They tried to walk a block and a half down to Wall and Broadway and stay there and claim it and say this is ours now. You can't kick us out of here. There's too many of us. There's too many people who want to be here so strongly that you can't kick us out. And, and that's an important thing. Pe- people who are listening to this, you have to, you have to understand something that, that became, com- comes only clear when you're there and you see it in front of you. And you see them do this tactical dance with the police. And you see their organization be tested against the organization of a superior force. And it is that they are going to win no matter what. If they are prevented from occupying Wall Street, if they are prevented from being able to walk a block and a half and defeat the 
you know, the, the tactical squads that are arrayed against them, the pepper spray, the pens, all of the, uh, the, the horses, the, um, the equipment, the uh, wagons, the, the school buses that are painted with serve and protect and the NYPD blue. Not that I'm blaming the cops at all for what they're doing because they're just doing their job too. And everybody knows it, and the protesters know it too. Everybody knows it. But if, if they can't overcome this superior force, then basically they've demonstrated that protest in the, me, in the way that the founders of this country imagined and envisioned the right to peaceably assemble, to petition government, and to petition, they've demonstrated that it's a sham, and it's a failure, and it doesn't exist, and it's lip service, and it's worthless, and it's, it's incompatible with, with reality. If they can't get to Wall Street, and they're prevented, and they're put in little pens, and they're carted off, and they can't do this, they can't overcome this superior force, just to stand over there and stand in the United States of America in one place, in a public place, if they can't do this simple thing and then film themselves and video, video themselves and, and record themselves going over the Internet doing that, if they can't do it, then you know what? There's something fucking wrong here. It means that the only parts of, uh, of democracy that are allowed to function are the ones that are meaningless. People can't determine for themselves where they're going to stand, where they're going to protest, where they're going to shout, where they're going to hold signs. They can't do anything or come up with their own ideas. They're just simply directed into meaningless, quote-unquote, free speech Orwellian zones. And that's it. They get to stand 10 miles away from the Bush administration in their motorcades. They get to – or the Obama administration in their motorcades. They're ineffective, they're, and, they're, and it's worthless. And so the things that are hallmarks of democracy that we think of, we think of you know, the things that, that – that, were fought for and the freedoms that are fought for, they don't exist. So if they can't get there, then they win because they've shown something very important about what's wrong right now and why there aren't any popular movements right now and why things are so screwed up and anti-democratic right now. But if they get there, if they can, if they can occupy Wall Street, if they can go to Wall and Broadway and they can defeat this literally like a legion arrayed against them that are superior, if they can make it there, and they can control it, and they can claim it, and they can say, guess what, we get to be here, then they also win. They also win. They also have demonstrated that people can possibly overcome these odds, even in the technocratic brilliance of our security state post 9-11 America. They can't. Right, right next to the Wall Street garrison, yes. Exactly. They're powerful, and they're there, and here we are. Look at us, and you can't deny us. We're here, and we'll get the message out. We've got our, we've got our own ways of doing it. We got it. You know, you're going to have to acknowledge that we exist. It's not 2002. We have... Our, our meetups, we have our social networking, we have the capability of streaming live audio and video. We're here. You can't deny it. And so if, if, they, if they succeed in this very simple 
very, you know, perfect goal of, for their means, of occupying Wall Street, literally, they they will they will succeed at demonstrating that people are powerful and they can overcome it. Either way, either way, they win. Either way, and, and that's what they're doing. And that's what these meetings are about. And yes, lots of different agendas are there. And lots of people have very different things to say. There are Democrats there. There are people who say, we have to do this because we have to show the Obama administration just that they have, you know, a left, you know, activist community that's strong so that they can feel, the Obama administration and Democrats can feel like, you know, we have their back and that, that they, can, they can go out and, you know, uh, you know not be afraid or that the country is so right-wing that, you know, and there's people down there like that and there's people like down there who, who you know, say, oh, they're all corrupt and they're all a bunch of crooks, et cetera, et cetera. There are people down there who care about uh, regulating the banks. There are people down there who care about stopping the war. There are people down there who care about um, taxpayer money being wasted. Uh, there are people down there who care about austerity. There are people down there who care about a lot of things that um, the original not moral majority 2.0, not bullshit co-opted by Republican Party and Freedom Works and Ms. Bachman, Michelle Bachman, uh, you know, Tea Party Republicans, not those people, but the original Tea Party people. There are a lot of people down there who who – who are like that in the sense that they are populist in their in their things. But it's not that the agenda is important, and it's not that this one sort of set of demands at all are important. It's, that's, it's patently ridiculous to assume that or want that or, or desire that or expect that from what, what people are doing down there is uh, obscenely foolish. Um, what they want to do is occupy Wall Street, and what they want to do is create something – uh, in terms of a social experience for people to experience what it's like to dissent in a meaningful way. Well, and participate in a community that's dissenting. Yeah. And, well, participate in an organization that's dissenting, that is authentic. And and whose central central motivating force is preserving that authenticity and preserving that organization in its intention to just occupy Wall Street. It's not a beautiful to advance. thing, man. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it is. And I, mean, I do I don't want to I don't want to get all, you know, weepy and, and and liberal about this like, oh, the revolution is finally here. Thank you lord. And I certainly don't want to get to to the, you know, to where this is like somehow going to rebrand the left or rebrand Democrats or something no, like no, that. No, no. No, they're not going to let it. I mean, that's that's, you know, I I I spent so far, with, Jay. So far. I spent I spent so my time at you know, I spent my time at the media desk for a while when I was down there and you know, the media desk of course, folks is um there's a guy on a, at one of the one of the permanent you know marble or granite tables the tables and chairs that are there um, with a little folded cardboard sign that says media on the table. I mean, their, their intentional use of of reused cardboard is right. it's it, it's a very carefully thought out thing. They, yes. they it's a very carefully thought out thing that that's how we identify ourselves. We take cardboard and we use magic markers and oil paint on it. And that's how we put up our signage. And when I saw the pictures, it was really funny because when I saw the pictures in the paper of on um, the March and I saw, you know, what must've been the union, the union people's signs and they were white, red, white, and blue. And they had work there. And then I saw the real signs and the real signs, of course, are cardboard. They're always cardboard. They know what they're doing. 
They know what they're doing. They have specialized. They have people who are responsible for thinking these things up and then executing them and then revising and then making it better and making it smarter and making it more effective. And that's all they do. And Uh, when I was talking to this media guy who was the guy sitting beside the the little, you know, five-inch by five-inch piece of cardboard that said media on it was folded in half. When I I was talking yeah, that he was probably the same guy. Tyler, was he there? Yeah. Yeah, skinny guy in a suit with yep. um yeah. Um he, he, he does his day job at night now, he's a web developer. And he spends his day doing being a spokesman. There's no the spokesman, but being a spokesman who talks about what's on there. And he is relentlessly on message. He I saw him talk to three different reporters, MSNBC, CBC, I'm sorry, NBC, CBC, and a Polish newspaper. And in each case, you know, they kept trying to get him to say, Well, this is what we believe and, and he kept saying no. We are the 99ers. We, we, are, we believe in all kinds of things, but we're here because we're here. And he just was, it was just very well worked out. He was extremely polite, extremely effective, and they know what they're doing. They, they've got their agenda set in their heads, and it has nothing to do with any of the traditional agendas that are trying to be foisted upon them. And, and I, I don't know, Stuart. I mean, I, I, do, I, I wanted to ask you this when you're in the middle of this is how they win. Um, if they get driven out, um, by a snowstorm in the third week of November. Do they win? I think the answer is, is probably yes. But, you know, that, that's, that, that remains, remains to be seen. Um, they, you know, there's, there are, if they last that long, I mean, we're talking about weeks and weeks here, yes. and I think they can, uh, then the kind of messages that they are capable of, of producing, the kind of messages that that need expression, um, in my opinion, uh, and that aren't, aren't getting expression because they fall outside of the bounds of of, of accepted uh, debate, basically. Um, like, for example, the sign that I saw uh, that someone was holding. I'll, I'll, I'll post. I'll tweet later. I'll, I'll, I'll post the. Um, the, uh, the photograph of the guy holding it, the sign that said, no socialism for capitalists. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's so many people who are coming there and seeing and being exposed to these ideas and these ways of talking that they can't see anywhere really in terms of the public discourse that we have, um, that I think that they will have succeeded to a large degree. If they're really driven out by, slow, by snow and they really just can't stay there any longer, I, they're very practical people. They'll just leave. They'll just go, you know, right. well, okay. And they'll have, yeah. a, they'll have a big, long thing about it. You know, well, here are our concerns. Here's what our concerns are. There are these issues. How do we leave? How do we – they'll, they'll right. figure out a way to take their garbage with them. There will be a plan, and, and, when they, and when they leave, they'll be it'll be spotless. Right. Um, uh, and it will. And they it won't will. Be any, but but, I, yeah. but even that will be some kind of essentially victory for them because they'll they'll be somewhere else. There there's an idea, there's an idea that's that's there. Um, and again, I'm trying really hard. I don't want to be dreamy about this, and I don't want to be narrative about this, and I don't want to be romantic about this. It's just not any of those things and it's not inspiring in this fantasy we shall overcome kind of you know past way it's none of those things it's just very practical but i think that what's 
the practical effect of this is that ideas are, are being circulated and language is being circulated and a certain type of control is being exercised over discourse. And it, it's oh, 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 and control not in the way that some you know club of of people who expel members for saying the wrong words or appearing insensitive or something like that to some you know grievance of some kind. It's not that kind of control, but it's a way of excluding you know in this bizarre way inauthentic. And that's the only way I can put it: inauthentic expression and I just think getting that's essential right. stuff. Well, they're not trying to contribute to the process of occupying New York. They're trying to they're trying to inject some other element. And inject is the right word, isn't it? Well, they are more concerned about the people who show up there getting the right idea about it than they are about anybody else. They right. do know that they they have some spectacle. They have engineered that spectacle. They were aware when they got kids to be maced, that that was happening, they are they are aware of the need to push back against unlimited violence against them uh, at, by by getting stories out that way. They're aware of it. They know that the outside world is paying attention. They do know all of those things. They're not idiots, and they're certainly connected, you know, to, to what's being said about them on an hourly, minute by minute basis from from the various media sources. It's not that they're ignorant or they're, but they they that's not a, a, they're not. They're not a political party or a labor or union. They're just not anything like those types of things. And they're not anarchists either. No, not not in the least. I mean, right. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make clear that that, that there's no. But they're not statists. No. But they're not statists either. You know, they're 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 their own thing. They're just their own thing. Uh, and, and people go there and they participate, and that's the thing. People go there and participate, and if you want to find out about it. If you oh, want to yeah. have an accurate representation of it in your own mind, you have to actually go there. And you can't go there as an anthropologist, and you can't go there as someone who's observing. You have to sit down and look at it and observe it and see the details as they become manifest to you and, and, and observe and watch and notice the habits and notice the culture the way that you would. Oh, so you're, describing you anthrop- you're describing anthropology right there, boy. No, I mean to say that you become a part of that when you interact with it. You know that you're you're different. You sit down and you observe, and then in the course of interacting with it, in the course of of sort of accommodating yourself to it, it becomes a an, a, a more rather than less accurate experience. You have so did to you, participate. Did you did, did you cast votes? Did you participate in the decision making? No. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't do that. But I did what was intended for me. I I I I had the I assumed the role of person who was going to talk to one person, find out why they were there, talk about why I was there and then have another person come up and start arguing with me and the other person about why they were there and what I was playing the role of facilitator between helping a person who came up and told us about how some GOP talking points about the health care bill, you know, and, and, and helping them understand, well, you know, uh, it's not 
we oppose the health care bill over here, but it's not Yikes. because we don't know what's in it. Yikes. We do know what's seconds. in it. 30 seconds. In any case, participate, folks. That, that's, that's the only thing I, I, I can really say. Don't romanticize. Don't be cynical. Go, go find out. Be there yourself and get the most accurate coverage yourself. And even if you don't go to the General Assembly, go, because it's different. You really have to see it. You really have to see it yourself. That's it. We're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. Thank you, Stuart, for coming back from there. And um, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much, folks.